everybody, it's Sean Hamill with another episode of the Origins Podcast. Today I have an amazing dental everything entrepreneur, Josie Sewell. Uh, Josie, it's so great to have you on the show. And we were just talking before we started recording, like you and I were trying to pinpoint exactly where we'd cross paths in the in the past, but super thankful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, I've been a huge Sean fan for a while, and oh, so you. this uh, this was super exciting. I'm glad that you're doing it, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Well, it's amazing to have you here. And we were just so we were just trying to settle the. It was Alyssa who we both love. Alyssa, yes, got us together at Carolinas, and then I mm-hmm. think I I think I did it without looking at your LinkedIn page. I think I got it right. So you did Carolinas, then you did Dental Intel, then you did Joyful and Traction, mm-hmm. then you did. CEO. Now you're doing more new, exciting, fun things. So yeah, like I was so stoked when I looked at the calendar and saw that your episode was coming up because I've always been curious because I, I, you know, you meet a lot of hygienists that are very entrepreneurial, but I mean, you've gone so far beyond like it, like, I mean, it's just amazing to see what you do teaching executive level coaching. And you're always like everything in dental. It seems like that's like coming to the forefront of just leadership and developing practices and developing leaders like it's always your name up there on the marquee with that stuff so take us on that journey if you would have just how you got started however far back you want to go to now uh, just how you got started and how you got to where you are now yeah I would love to so um, I wish that I had a really honorable way why I got into dentistry in the first place but I will tell you, it was just very practical and like served my life for what I needed. So I got married when I was 19 and um, a year later we had a little boy. And so I was already married and, and a mom and I, but I always knew that I wanted to go to college and to have a career. I dreamt of going to medical school when I was younger. And so um, when it came down to it, it was okay, I have the community college and I want to pursue a career. I want to be able to have some education. But what really matters to me is I want to be a good mom and I want to be a present mom and I want to be a good wife and things like that. And so it was nursing or it was dental hygiene. And my parents were both RNs and worked at the hospital. And so I didn't want to work nights, weekends, or holidays. And I didn't want to have to stand all the time. And I found out that hygienist at that time was like, oh, it can make $35 an hour. And I was like, this sounds awesome. I'm going to go to dental hygiene school. Like it was literally a decision that was made that fast. However, as I got into it, I just, I loved like the art and science of dental hygiene. And I loved learning about periodontal disease and medical history and pharmacology and all of these things. So I fell in love with the profession. And so I worked as a clinical dental hygienist um, full-time after I graduated. And that was a great experience, but I found that even like a year, it was like a right about a year. I remember vividly looking around my operatory and thinking, is this it? Like, did I, did I pick the wrong career? Should I have gone to nursing school? Maybe I should become a physician's assistant. And what I found is just that I did what I didn't know back then is my personality. Every personality assessment says repetition and routine is my kryptonite. So being a dental hygienist where it was repetition and routine, I knew on the hour I was getting the patient at five after I was doing medical history and blood pressure and whatever. It just didn't keep me excited, um, you know, every day. So I started exploring different options. I started doing some speaking. I even sold the dental cement for a little bit, which wow. is like, 
trade show girl, pack up the suitcase, sold some dental cement, um, tried lots of different things because I was, I was looking for my passion. And I think a lot of people probably feel that way is that they're trying to find like what keeps my, keeps me excited and keeps me passionate. And so I dabbled in lots of things, again, speaking, writing, um, you know, stuff like that. And then, um, but it was always that it served my life well, meaning like when I started to have additional kids, I went down to part-time, I started temping, some things like that. But I have three children and my oldest one has severe autism. And Mm. he, um, so he's now 21 years old. But he functions at the level of a two-year-old. He's nonverbal. He also has celiac disease and Graves disease. But mm. about the time that he was 13 years old, it was getting harder and harder for me to take care of him. And I, he just, I'm kind of known as my fan, the family pushover. Like people are really surprised because I'm really direct, you know, with my clients, but at home I'm a little bit of a pushover as mom. But my husband could get my son to do things that I never could. And he was like Mr. Consistent. Like it didn't matter if he was tired or, you know, end of the day, he was always really consistent. So he could get my son to do things that nobody else in the world could. And so, and my husband had a successful career. He was um, the head of retail sales for a regional cell phone company. He oversaw um, 20 locations and 75 sales employees. But he came home one day and I was just a mess. We had been to the grocery store. It was an awful experience. I couldn't control my son. It was just like I felt totally out of my depth. And so we at that point like just came together, you know, um, as a family and we took a giant leap of faith. My husband quit his job that he'd had for 10 years. We sold our house. We got rid of everything. We moved from New Mexico to the Pacific Northwest and we moved to Oregon, one, because we could live in my brother's basement. The, uh, he gave us the soft landing. But it was also because Oregon allowed hygienists, kind of like it's called independent practice. And my goal was to create a mobile clinic that served patients with special needs. And I was going to take on the role of being the breadwinner. And my husband, he and I were going to switch. And he was going to be the stay-at-home dad because he just could take care of my son in ways that we couldn't. And so I think that like, as a mom, that was one of those things that was really tough for me to do. Cause I wanted to be the one, you know, that, that could do that. But recognizing that my husband had strengths that I didn't, and it served our family different. We had to let go of some of our thoughts on like who should work and who should stay at home and how this should all work together. So while, but I knew that it would take a while to build that business. And so I got a job and that job was in consulting. And so it was a company that they worked with dentists across the country. They pulled a bunch of data from practices that was on this five function team. So there was operations, HR, finance, marketing, and training or professional development. So um, that's where I was, was in professional development. And I would do a bunch of training with these practices. And so that's actually where I started to really learn the business of dentistry It was the hardest 12 months of my life because this company, I was actually one of the only people with any dental experience. So they all understood the business, but didn't understand dentistry. I understood dentistry, but I didn't understand the business. And so it was like, even having to teach myself how to use Excel, I was watching YouTube videos all weekend, trying to know formulas and Excel, like just the basic stuff that 
if you've been a clinician and you've moved into that role, you know the pain I'm talking about. But for the rest of the world, they're like, it's not that big a deal. And you're like, it was totally using a different thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I started to fall in love with the business of dentistry. And so one day the CEO, he pulled me aside and he said, Hey, I've got this client. They're not super happy with their services. We think that you might be able to help make them happy with their service. They're a founding member. They're really important to me. I need you to do whatever it takes to make them happy. And I said, So I get on this intro call and on the other end are these two charismatic, energetic dentists that I had never met anybody like them. And I was just like, what is happening? Who are these people? It was Eric Roman and Clifton Cameron of Carolina's Dentist. And so that's where we met. I was worked with them. They were my client for about a year and one day. And I just became, I was just so drawn to who they were and what they were doing and the vision and the values and what they were building. And I just thought, and in my mind, I had that the dental groups and DSOs were kind of evil, right? I didn't even mm-hmm. know the term DSO, but corporate is what we knew, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought that they were like coming to destroy private practice dentistry. And then I saw that what they were creating was there was so much goodness and so much greatness in that. And I loved it. And so one day Eric called me and we'd been working together for about seven or eight months. And he said, nobody's ever been able to hold me accountable. Like you can, I need you as part of my company. What would it take for you to move to North Carolina? And so I talked to my husband and we thought about it and pondered on it. We had just finished remodeling a house we bought, but before it was even done, always. of course, <laughs> of course. The second time we've done this. So we decided to move to North Carolina. Now I had to go before my family went. So I went in February and they didn't get to come until June. And it was brutal to be without my kids and my family. Mm. I got to see them once during that time. But I moved from Washington State to North Carolina with the belief in this vision and these people. And it was the best decision I ever made. And so while at the dental group, I started as the director of hygiene and then pretty quickly moved into the director of people or like a director of culture. So that's when I got to do a lot of training of our managers, building of our systems, team engagement. Like the leadership team was operating off of the vision and values and where we headed, but it was not through the rest of the organization. And I feel like that's where my impact was, was getting the rest of the 200 people aligned around all of what this vision was. So then I moved into director of operations and then the integrator or COO seat. We took that to market. It was the most incredible experience. Eric and Clifton treated me like I was their partner. I sat in every private equity meeting and every pitch meeting that we did with the DSO. They could, you know, we talked through the agreements and the terms and I just got a master's degree in what it meant to what in the business, but also take the business to market. And so um, anyway, we, we transitioned that to a larger DSO to lightweight dental. And then it was honestly a personal decision. My family, you know, we're back in the East coast. Um, we were struggling with some stuff with our kids. My husband mm-hmm. just lost his mom. We really mm-hmm. geographically wanted to get back to closer to home and dental Intel had been trying to recruit me for a while. So we exited there, moved, um, from North Carolina to Utah. Utah was our preferred geographic location because it provides better resources for my son. 
my husband has two brothers here. I'm six hours away from my mom, you know, instead of a six hour plane ride. Mm -hmm. um, so that was good for us. Dental Intel was a really great experience. Um, it was moving into, in some ways, a totally different industry being in software and technology. I learned so much while I was there, but COVID hit. And I think probably just like everybody else, COVID had me questioning, where do I belong? Where do I want to spend my time? Life is too short to be anywhere but where you're meant to be. And what does that look like? And Eric and I had started talking about this idea of joyful people, which was culture and leadership and how to create a high performance team. And um, honestly, since COVID shut everybody down, I had spoken in enough large meetings that people associated me as the hygienist who knew EOS. And so I had people start to reach out and ask me to help them implement EOS. And so I just kind of went for it. I quit you know, my very comfortable job in June of 2020 to become an entrepreneur. So um, started doing EOS. I became, you know, professional and then certified EOS implementer. My practice quickly grew past what I could do on my own. And I think that that's because people so desperately wanted somebody that knew the operating system, but they could translate it to dental. I mean, you know, right? Like you can't take things that work in another industry and just apply it to dental, it doesn't really work that well. So I was going to hire some additional people to be implementers with me. We were working on that process. We had two amazing people that were gonna join our team. And we had our two day annual session for our company. And like, it was, it was this weird experience because I felt like we just absolutely knew exactly who we were, exactly where we were headed. We had the plan. We knew day number two of this annual was going to be so easy building up the, the revenue, the profit, the key success indicators, what the goals were. And I happened to get this email from EOS Worldwide and it caught my attention. And we found out that night that they were moving from a membership model to a franchise model. And so we stayed up until 1 a.m. in a cabin in Park City. It was me, Eric, Alyssa, and a couple of other people trying to figure this out. And so um, it was a really tough decision, but five months later, we decided to continue that relationship with EOS. It was going to limit my ability to continue to be dental specific. We weren't going to be able to have like a firm or a group of people. That's when we reached out to PEO and said, hey, like, what do you guys think? What if, what if we um, join our forces and we create a dental operating system? And so we did that. Eric and I joined the DEO in August of 2021. We created a joint venture. And so we decided to build a dental op a dental specific business operating system. And so we did that and it was an incredible ride and learned so much from DEO and they have an incredible platform and people know the DEO and respect the DEO. They serve, you know, they have their whole media stuff with the magazine, the podcast, the events, they have the programs where they provide insane value to the members. Um, but, you know, life changes and sometimes, you know, our path takes us in different places and the experience has taught me that I'm meant to, I'm meant to be an entrepreneur and I'm meant to build and I can't ignore that calling in my heart that says that I'm, you know, I'm meant to do something different for my, myself and my life. So now here we are at another change in life and I'm absolutely excited and confident for the future 
and want to continue to serve people in the way that we have. And as I look back on my career, it's never been about me. I mean, as I've been starting, it was about a way to serve my family. And what I love about what I do is the opportunity to meet people where they are and to serve them to the best of my ability. And I believe that everybody deserves to have a safe and healthy place to go to work and a place that recognizes and sees them as a human being and allows them to live um, at their highest and best purpose. And that is always what I will do, whether, you know, no matter what the brand is, no matter what the job is, no matter what the product is, it's always about creating a place where people can be their best. Wow, that is an incredible story and very well told. Um, As I, had, I, I had no idea that, that the journey had been been like that with the ups and downs and because, uh, you know, you, you see one side of it. But I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm curious. As and I, developing leaders or or even even self-development, right? Finding that entrepreneurial drive. Where where did that set in for you? Was there like a catalyst? Was there a certain event that you were like, okay, I'm an entrepreneur? Or was it just like, I'm gonna put my toe in the water and try this? And it's like, okay, this isn't so bad. Like what what was that like where you really were like, wow, I'm I'm not meant to work for anyone else? As I um, I don't think, I think it is something that for, for somebody like an Eric Roman, I think they know from the beginning. Yeah. He, right? was, like he, he was literally born that way. <laughs> he was born that way. And Eric should never work as a part of anybody else's company except his own. And I think for me, it was a little bit different. I think I probably grew into that. Um, you know, I, I think I've always wanted to, um, it's the boundaries of what is possible. I've always been committed to like excellence and growth. And so even within my positions as an employee, it's like, how do I find the ceiling and how do I get through that ceiling and break it? But I think I personally had to have several experiences. You know, you look at helping grow Carolina's dentist and take it from, you know, when I joined, they were at 15 million and three years later, we were at 40 million and we took it to market and that we had all organic growth, right? That wasn't adding a bunch of acquisitions or de novos. And, and so I think I learned it there and then going to Dental Intel and seeing how that business works and then growing traction for Dental and Joyful, growing DEO. And so um, I think for me, it took a lot of experience and it took a lot of personal growth, but um, I just, I, I know I've put in the time and the dues and I know, I know that my results now speak for themselves. I think being a coach of incredible practices and groups, and I've coached some of, like I've coached the fastest growing group um, DSO on the Inc. 5,000, right? So like, it's just had enough experience that it's allowed me to have this like calm confidence that, nope, I could do this and I'm meant to do this. And so I'm reading this book right now and it's called The Map Is You. It's a really, really great book. Um, but she's talking about different emotions that we experience and why we experience. And what's funny is she recently, the book, I, the chapter I was reading this week, she's talked about anger. And she said, anger is sometimes like we think of it negatively because sometimes it's negative. Part of it is aggression. However, anger is a beautifully transformative experience because anger teaches us where our boundaries are and anger teaches us what our limits are. And so as I've thought about that, like what makes me angry? 
that really shows me what I care about and what my boundaries are. And I think that that's allowed me to just know that, hey, I, I can be independent. I can be on my own. I can manage this. Um, and the things that make me mad, those are the things I'm going to try to solve. That's awesome. I, uh, I've seen that book. I, th I think I have it on one of my Amazon lists. So I'll, yes. I'll have to, I'll have to move it to the front of the list, but I was curious mm -hmm. too, while listening to you talking with so many entrepreneurs and dental professionals that you've helped to anyone listening to this show that maybe has aspirations to grow a group or to just, maybe they have some rock stars on their team. Like, I'm curious if you think two part question, one, if you think leaders are born or trained and two, what a doctor that maybe doesn't have a huge group, maybe they're on their own, but they have quality employees they want to invest in. What are maybe some resources or ways that they could kind of start moving down that path to develop the leadership, maybe potential that they see in their staff? As I Yeah, great questions. Um, so, you know, I think that sometimes we believe that leaders have a certain personality or maybe even a certain charisma or that they're extroverted or things like that. I'll use Eric again, right? Sometimes people look at Eric and they're like, oh, well, that's a leader. So if I'm not like that, maybe I'm not a leader. And I think that leaders come in all varieties. I have seen some of the most, I've seen leaders that are incredibly inspirational, but they do it in a quiet way. They do it in more of their like introverted way. They do it in more like connecting with their people. And so um, a leader doesn't have to be this super charismatic charismatic extroverted person it can be but leadership is really about gaining the trust of people providing a clear direction and then you know encouraging them along the way i think that um one of the skills that maybe is not always natural to people that would elevate their leadership is decisiveness i actually see that that is a characteristic with the people who um seem to be more like super successful they're very decisive the ones that get stuck and maybe don't grow as fast or where they want is they struggle with decisiveness. And so I think that that's, you know, just some of the things I would point out. So no matter who you are, no matter what your personality is, you absolutely can be a great leader. Sometimes the charisma and the extroversion doesn't mean that they're a great leader, right? Mm -hmm. And so who are the people that we're really willing to trust and we're really willing to follow? Um, and then how do you go about developing yourself as a leader or developing your team as leaders? What was your, we can, we can do both. If you we can do you both, we can do yeah. both. Yeah. So I think that if you're looking to grow yourself as a leader, the first thing that it would start with was self-awareness. And so, um, what a lot of leaders don't fully understand the weight of is how their choices affect their team and how their language affects their team or um, recognize that even everything that they're, do, they're doing is being watched. So a good amount of like self-awareness is important to understand where am I clear? Where am I not clear? Where is my team confused? Where do I cause confusion? Um, different things like that. And then where are my strengths and where are my areas of opportunity? One of the greatest lessons that I have learned in the last couple of years is that um, our weaknesses or right, they are often an overutilization of our strengths. As I, as I, so as what I, I mean by that is if somebody says, oh, so I do a lot of team health activities. Well, what I mean, team health is like, do we trust each other? 
do we have constructive conflict? It's the Patrick Lencioni idea of team health, right? That we can, we really have positive relationships for a united front. We can talk about things openly. And um, so that is really, really important to me. But what I find is I do this activity where I have, like, let's say that we're sitting in a session, Sean, and it's with your team. If mm. it's your turn, then I have your team go around your leadership team, and they're going to tell you one thing that they love and admire about you and what you bring to the team. And they might talk about your vision and your creativity and how amazing it is and your drive and that motivates them. Then I have them go around the second time and I have them share something they want you to start doing or stop doing for the good of the team. And because I've now led over 300 full day sessions with teams, I can almost anticipate what that number two is going to be based on number one. And so sometimes it might be like, I love that you are, you enter the danger and you are fearless and you are really direct in your communication because I never have to guess where I am with you. But that, that stop one might be like, I need you to start recognizing when you need to like maybe pull that back and be mindful of somebody's feelings or something like that. So self-awareness, including like, what are my strengths and how might I be overutilizing those strengths and know like how to bring that back in moderation, I think is helpful for anybody who wants to be in a leadership position. And then if you want to develop your team into leaders, um, you know, that that's something that I'm trying to solve, I think, in the industries, because I think that there hasn't been some great training for that. But I think that it starts with pulling your team together and finding out what matters to them and what their personal goals are. And if they have an opportunity or they have a desire to lead and then painting the picture for them. I remember a conversation that I had with one of my team members um, at Carolina's dentist. She really wanted to be an office manager. And I said, I really want to support your goals. However, before we, before we put you on this path or before you take this position, one of the things I need you to know is that leadership is incredibly lonely. It's like the most lonely position that you have because you have you will have an understanding of what's going on with your team or the decisions that you're making. And sometimes you're going to make a decision that will upset your team, but you don't get to tell them like the difficult situation you were under or the things that you had to choose between. Like, for example, we had to roll out a new healthcare policy or health benefits plan and I was stuck in a rock and a hard place with our budget and what we could afford and the rising cost of healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a really hard choice. And when I rolled out to me, they were just like really angry with me. Like, oh, she probably picked this because she just cares about the company and the bottom line and she only cares about the numbers. But they didn't know what I was faced with. And so, you know, I took a ton of criticism for that, but I couldn't be like, well, that's not fair that you're mad. Like, let me tell you what I had to deal with. Sure. So just knowing that le- leadership is lonely and giving people the tools and resources because it is so much of a mental game. Mm-hmm. Like as a leader, people are going to accuse you of things or be mad at you or blame you or whatever. And so we have to, con- we have to be a good leader of ourselves. We have to control our emotions. We have to be self-aware. We have to have emotional intelligence and that I think is like the first place to start is emotional intelligence and communication. Wow. Amazing answers as always. The decisiveness is interesting because as you said that, I started to think about the people in my life that I know that typically 
it seems like they just kind of cut through everything in, in life. Like you have some people that kind of him and haw and they can't make a decision about anything. But my, my, even just my, just friends, their personality is that way. Like they're always yeah. on a course. They're always moving forward. Like it's perpetual moving forward. So that's really interesting. Yeah. I'd never thought of it till As you I said that. It's good stuff, Josie. I always love listening to you speak. And how can people get in touch with you? So I know you've got this new brand that's launching. You've got a lot of things that are coming to market, but if somebody wants to work with you, if they have questions, want to maybe learn about uh, the new programs you're going to be rolling out and stuff, how can they reach you um, in the short term as you're kind of launching everything? Yeah, I mean, so social media is great on on LinkedIn and on Facebook. I am Jocelyn Sewell. And if you spell it right, I'm the only person who spells it right. So I'm like one of the only, the only woman in the world. It's my claim to fame. Um, if you find me on Instagram, it's Josie Sewell, as long as you spell it right. But even just, I'll tell you my personal email address. It's just Jocelyn Sewell at gmail.com. And that's J-O-S-A-L-Y-N-S-E-W-E-L-L at gmail.com. So I will always have that email address. And then as we get the new brand built and all of that outlines, we will be sure to share it with you. But um, thanks so much for having me. Oh my gosh. This has been an amazing episode. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, you're so welcome. All right, Josie, take care. Thank you. Thank as you. I